0: Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Like Doug said, my name is Wade. I am the pastor of the college students here at Parkview, and uh, it's a real joy and honor to be opening God's Word with you. We're going to be continuing worshiping Jesus through His Word in Galatians 4. That's what we'll be today, Galatians 4. So if you want to turn there, that'd be great. We're in a Christmas series called Generous, and today we're thinking about the gift of adoption we're looking at the gift of adoption and uh, if there is a verse that summarizes where we're heading this morning it's verse 7 of galatians 4 which says listen to this part here you. you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son than an heir through God. So what we're looking at today is this wonderful reality that us who were lost and entrapped in enslavement to sin and deserving God's condemnation, what He has given us instead is His lavish love. And He has welcomed us into his family, not because we were the most well-behaved kids on the block, and not because we were on the nice list and not the naughty list. Uh, We were very much on the naughty list, and God welcomed us into his family through his son Jesus. Uh, So that's what we're looking at today. Now, we're going to read this whole passage of Galatians 4. And so here now, the word of God, I will read it aloud. Excuse me and uh, I would ask that you read along with me. This is the Word of God. This is totally true and utterly reliable for us. Galatians 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, And then jump down to verse nine. But now, that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? This is God's holy word, to him be the glory, and since we are his beloved children, let's go to him in prayer. Abba, Father, You are so generous. You are worthy of our deepest desires, our most passionate worship, our highest honor. As we turn to your word, please send the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to see how great and wonderful you truly are. We need a fresh sense of the greatness of Jesus and what it means to be your beloved children. We are desperate for this, Father. We're not playing games here. We we want reality. So please set us free from that which enslaves us so we can enjoy. So here we are, needy children, begging you for mercy to please help us believe all that you teach, to obey all that you command, to trust all that you promised, and to revere all that you reveal in your word for the sake of your son, Jesus. Amen. Looking back on your childhood, is there a Christmas that stands out to you? And I wonder why it stands out to you. I wonder if there's a defining Christmas that you look back to that was like, wow, that was awesome. Now, I grew up in Phoenix, and I don't remember all of the Christmases that I had as a child, uh, which my parents are probably like, What? We gave you all those presents. How do you not remember all that stuff? But here's the deal. So, my dad's side of the family is from Colorado, my mom's side of the family is from Minnesota. And uh, we live in Phoenix, and it's wintertime. And so they call us, and they say, Hey, we miss you. It's so great to see you guys. We love you. Let's come together and celebrate Christmas in Phoenix. Now, what they really meant to say actually was this. We are freezing, and our eyeballs are turning into crystals. And so we are coming to Phoenix, whether you like it or not, so we can thaw. But hey, we love them anyway. They're our family. But seriously, the main reason I remember this Christmas, and I think probably my brother does as well, I remember having a conversation with him about this Christmas a couple years ago, is one thing. One thing stood out. Generosity. There was such a super abundance of gifts from aunts and uncle, from grandpa and grandma, from mom and dad. I mean, it was crazy. I felt like the presents spread out as long as the football field at Kinnick. I mean, it was crazy. It felt like the tree was like 50 feet high. It wasn't. It was probably six feet high, but it felt like it was 50 feet high. And, and so it just felt like there was this, this atmosphere, of just abundant generosity. And that is why that Christmas was so special. And friends, that's actually why this Christmas season is so special, because every year we come to celebrate a generous God who has loved us in His Son, Jesus. And at Parkview, what we're doing is looking at three gifts, abundant, generous gifts of God, adoption, grace, and then God Himself. And in fact, those three words summarize Christianity. Christianity. And so if you are here today and you're unfamiliar with what Christianity is or who Jesus is, and maybe you're exploring more of this uh, Christianity, you can't really get better than those three words, adoption, grace, and God. In fact, the good news of the gospel is that broken, sinful people get to be adopted into God's family through the grace of his son, and all of this for the sake so that we might know God himself as our Father. Adoption by grace, coming to know God. That is the message of Christianity. So the big idea for this sermon, if there's one thing you want to write down, if there's one thing you could walk away with and someone says, what's the sermon about? Well, here you go. Okay? No excuses not to know what the sermon is not about. This is it. Our generous God sets us free from slavery by his gift of adoption. Our generous God sets us free from slavery by his gift of adoption. Because adoption, in this time and context, when Paul is writing this letter, was typically done by a, uh, maybe a young man, was seen as being worthwhile, he was strong, he could be useful in the family, and so they would adopt him based on his merits. But the gospel in Christianity, actually, is that we are adopted into God's family through Jesus' merits, what he has done is a gift of grace. But here's the problem, okay? God in his generosity adopts us by grace, but the problem is that we fall back into slavery from which God has set us free. We, we are so prone as humans, even as Christians, to fall back into the slavery to which we're prone it seems like every time Christmas rolled around, I kept having this question in my mind. Will my mom and dad get me that one gift? I mean, maybe I had like seven or eight on my Christmas list, or maybe like 50, if I was honest. But I remember there's always that one gift. You probably know what I'm talking about. There was always that one gift you wanted. If you, got like, if you didn't get everyone else, but you wanted that one for sure, mom, make sure you get this one. I don't know, get this video game. I want that one. And I would always wonder, will they get it for me? You know, will my life be happy and fulfilling if they don't provide this gift for me? I probably wasn't thinking that, but that's kind of what it feels like as a kid. And what was happening is actually was, I was doubting their generosity. I was doubting the generosity of my parents because guess what? Every Christmas, they always got me the gift. They always did. They were generous. It's because they were generous, and yet I would doubt their generosity. And that's what's happening actually in the letter of Galatians, in Galatians. Uh, this book, Galatians, uh, it's actually a letter written to a real church about 13 to 15 years after Jesus has died and risen again. And this man named Paul, who has this wonderful encounter with Jesus Christ, becomes a Christian, starts telling people about Jesus, and then starts planting these churches. And then he goes away for a while, and then he'll write these letters kind of as updates on how you're doing. Well, Paul hears about what's happening in this church, and it's not good. Because these churches, Christians in Galatia, they're struggling to really believe that God is as gracious and wonderful and loving as Jesus really says he is. And even though the the Galatian Christians had been set free from the bondage to slavery that they were under, what happened is actually they were falling back into that even though they had been set free from it. So in the generous gift of Jesus, Uh, they had been put right in relationship with God. But then what happened is by doubting God's generosity, they thought to maintain his favor and love and grace, they had to uh, maintain moral obedience to God's commands. And that's not just a problem back then. This is our problem right now, even in this church. Because what's happened in our hearts is that we have very skewed, unhealthy, unbiblical views of God. And we think maybe he loved me and brought me into his family through his grace. But now it's up to me to really make sure he keeps loving me so I can stay in his family. And so you work hard. And you know what the sign is that this is happening to you? You lack joy in God. Do you lack joy in God? might be because you have fallen back in slavery from which you've been set free from through Jesus. And so we need this passage. We need this text from the Bible. And again, look down at verse 9 with me real quick. Paul actually is concerned. Look at what he says. He says, you've come to know God. Rather, you've you've come to be known by God. So how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves do you want to be once more? You've been set free from that. So why do you keep going back to that? Because the gift of adoption rescues us from our slavery to self-centered attempts to make ourselves right with God through our own obedience and there's, so there's two points we have to figure out okay understand this whole adoption thing number point is what is this slavery we're talking about then number two was this gift of adoption that god has given us to rescue us from our slavery slavery and the gift of adoption <clears throat> i'm getting over a cold so excuse me if i cough point number one slavery look down at verse one and two Paul says this, I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So what's going on in this passage? Because he's using language that we're probably pretty unfamiliar with here in 21st century Iowa City. Well, actually, he's talking about a very common practice in this time. What Paul's talking about is this kind of coming-of-age story in which there is a child who is going to be this, this uh, inheritor of this great inheritance, this heir, but he doesn't have access to it because he's not the proper age, which usually happened about age 25. So say you have a 13-year-old kid who's not 25 yet, So he has this inheritance coming, but it's not his right now. So actually, in the end, he's no different from a slave who has no inheritance because this child actually is not enjoying the inheritance which is his because he's not the right age. Does that make sense? And so these first two verses, Paul's pointing back, actually, to the history of God's people under the guardianship or management of the law. Well, how do I know that? Well, look at Galatians 3.23. If you have your Bible, just kind of scroll up on your screen or look up with your eyes. Galatians 3.23, Paul says this. Now, before faith came, before uh, the gift of Jesus and by faith in him salvation, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Verse 24, so then, the law, get this, what's the language he uses? The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so the law as a guardian is that which imprisons and enslaves, not because the law is something wrong with it, but because there's something wrong with our hearts. So for those of you who are unfamiliar maybe with what the law means, it's okay. What the law is in uh, God's word is, is outlined in the Ten Commandments and summarized by Jesus in two commands. Love God with everything you've got and love others in humble, self-sacrificial service. Now, what's happened is that's, a, that's good news. In fact, if our world actually followed that, man, we live in a great society. But we don't. Why? Not because the law because something's wrong in our hearts. Well, what is it? What's happened is that in the human heart, we are bent in the wrong direction. Instead of being uh, bending towards God and His goodness and His love and having an overflow of that loving and serving others, we are actually bent towards self, towards greed, towards self-protection, and towards injustice. To be human is to be bent in the wrong direction. And so actually then what happens, not only does the law condemn us, but then Paul continues his point in verse 3. Look down with me. He says, in the same way, uh, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So not, not only are we enslaved by the reality that we have not lived up to what God has called us to in the law, to love him and love others, but we are enslaved to these elementary principles of the world. Now, when's the last time you used that in a sentence this week? Probably not. Probably didn't call your boss this week and say, hey, sorry, can't go to work today. I'm enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. My bad. Probably didn't happen, okay? So that's a confusing phrase to us. And uh, different scholars kind of interpret it differently, but it seems like the basic understanding of this is what uh, Robert Yarborough, New Testament scholar, calls the ubiquitous human philosophy of religion, which is, if I do X then God will give me why. It is, friends, the Santa syndrome. What? Yes, the Santa syndrome. You see, it's our favorite Christmas seasonal chime. He sees you when you're sleeping. That line is just so creepy. Uh, He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Why? Because there's a naughty list and a nice list. If you've been a good little boy, a good little girl, you'll get a gift. But if you've been bad, sorry. The Santa syndrome is what it means to live under and enslave to the elementary principles of the world. It is to view God as uh, this uh, relationship in which you do things for him so that then he will give you gifts. And even if you're not a Christian, this is still an issue for you. Because the reality is, because of our nature, we all sense the reality that we are broken and we're not quite right. And so for many of us, we go to religious duties like prayer or a Bible reading in order to have this sense of we're going to be okay. But that's not all of us. For some of you, it's work. You feel the anxiety and shame in your own life. And so what we do in this society, because we've made work into a God, is you will work more hours than you need to to fill up the bank account so that you can have a sense that you're okay with some general being out there. It is to be enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Do the same thing with money, the same thing with sexuality. We look to something uh, through our own performance and through what we do to make us right, to have a sense of being okay before God. And it enslaves us. Friends, this is a terrible thing to be under. And I just want to say a word to those of you who are not Christians. To be apart from Christ is a very dangerous place to be. Because the Bible is clear that you are enslaved to something beyond your control. Our culture tells us that your life and destiny is up to you. Actually, the Bible says is that we can actually be enslaved to things that we have no power to rescue ourselves from. We need help from the outside. And praise God, that is what adoption is all about. So we have seen that the issue is this thing of slavery, both under the condemnation of the law, because we've not fulfilled it, but also these elementary principles, this thing of, I do this for God so that he will accept me and love me and give me gifts. We're enslaved to this, but I just want to look at one word. For those of you who are in Christ, look down again at verses 1 to 3. Verse 3 actually says this, Uh, in the same way we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to elementary principles of the world. So this is not, if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, this is not who you are anymore. Why? Because of verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And so in response to our slavery and in the midst of our misery and sin, God's movement towards us is not one of of judgment and punishment, but of one of rescue, love, and mercy so that we could be brought out of our slavery to sin and to the law into life with Christ, his beloved son. The fullness of time, what does that mean? It means when there's a transition in the history of what God is doing in the world from slavery under sin and the law to a time in which God comes forth with his son to rescue us. And then the verse keeps going, verse 4. Jesus is born of woman, meaning he is born as a fully human being. It is God in the flesh. It is what we celebrate here at Christmas. It is God's generous gift of the incarnation, God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And then it says that he's born under the law. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's born under the very thing in which we are enslaved. He's born under the demand to live a life fully for God. And guess what? Jesus is the only person ever in human history to pull it off. He's the only person who his whole entire life was one of unending, constant delight and love in his heavenly father and self-sacrificial care, concern, and compassion for other people. Now, why, why does he come and do this? Well, keep looking down with me. Verse 5, so that he can redeem those under the law. Jesus lived the life we should have lived by being born under the law, and then he dies under the wrath of God that we deserve to die. Galatians 3.13, if you look up in your Bible, uh, Paul says that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So the clear teaching of the Bible is that the consequence of our failure to love God and love others is his just wrath against us. But the Bible is also very clear that in his loving generosity, he has provided the only way to have a right relationship with him, which is by his son coming to bear the weight of our sin upon the cross under the curse that we deserve. This is the message of Christianity and the message of Christmas. And this is the God who is so generous. But look at this. What is the purpose of Jesus' death? Now, many of us in this moment will respond, well, wait, it's because he wants to forgive us of our sins. That's a good answer. But that's not the full reason why. In fact, friends, there is something way better than just having your slate clean and your sins forgiven. It is, the very ending of verse 5, so that we might receive adoption as Sons, This is the generous gift of God in Christmas. The Father has given up His only beloved Son on a cross so that you can be welcomed in as His beloved child. I love the students that Claire and I serve. They are wonderful treasures to us. But I will never give up Claire's life for one of my students because I love her way more than my students. Parents, you might love some of your children's friends, but I guarantee you, you will never give up your child for the life of another child. What does it mean that the father who always and forever loved his son, Jesus, was willing to give him up for us on our behalf so that we can be brought in as his children. Do you see why in First John 3 it says, look at the type of love the Father has lavished upon us? Us in our sin, in our addictions, in our propensity to break relationships, and to live unjustly towards others in our greedy self-righteousness and self-indulgence and laziness and apathy, why would a God give up his own priceless treasure to bring us into his family? Well, just because he loves us and he wanted you in his family. That is the message of Christianity. It doesn't make sense. We can't comprehend it. It is overwhelmingly generous and beyond our comprehension. This is the good news of Jesus at Christmas. Through him, we have received adoption as sons. Now, maybe some of you ladies might think you keep saying sons and not children. Yes, because the Bible says sons. Now here's the deal. This is good news because the inheritance and all the love of the Father would have gone to the firstborn son. And Jesus, as the firstborn son, should have only had that. But guess what he's doing? Jesus is sharing the love of the Father with us. And so both male and female come under this idea of the Son. And just like men have to learn how to be the bride of Christ, so also, ladies, we have to learn how to be adopted children, adopted sons. Uh, There is something way better than just having a $5 million debt go back to zero. It's having a gazillion dollars worth of the Father's love in the parable of the prodigal son, it's interesting how the son comes back from all of his horrible reckless living and the thing that he says to his father, he just says, "Okay, father, sorry about that. Really messed up. Now just make me one of your hired servants and then we'll just keep going on like maybe nothing happened. Is that be okay?" What's the father's response? Nope. It's time to party. And he kills the fattened calf. He he knows that his son was dead, but now is alive. There's a feast and it's all for his son because there's no such thing as just being servants in the kingdom. It is a lavishness of you being a son of God, a beloved child of God through the mercy of Jesus. But now we're going to have to ask the question, why is it, Wade? And Maybe you've been asking this. Why is it? that while that's great and wonderful adoption, that's nice, why is it that I still feel like a slave? Why is it that it seems that things in my life, problems, addictions, uh, unhealthy habits and relationships, whatever it is, that that those things, uh, they feel more real to me, more tangible than this whole thing about being a child of God? Why is that? You ever wonder that in your Christian life? Why is it uh, that we've been loved so deeply and yet that oftentimes makes no difference in how we relate to the Lord and other people? It's because we don't understand the second gift of adoption, which is the spirit. Look down at verse six. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So in verses four to five, get this, okay? Lean in here. Verses four to five, we see God giving us our new identity and status as sons through the finished work of the son, Jesus. But in verse six, we see that God wants to make our identity a living reality in our everyday experience through the work of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and giving us a voice and eagerness to cry out, Abba, Father. It is that cry of desperation. It is a cry of need. It is a cry of deep, intimate communion with the Father you love. It's the, there's a great uh, pastor of the 20th century He's named Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he gives an illustration of this. And he says what happens in our Christian life is very similar to if you see a father and son walking down the street. And they're near one another. And they might be talking and, and enjoying time on this little stroll down the road. And then there's a moment when the father, out of nowhere, turns to his son and picks him up just hugs him in his arms and just carries him and just says i love you i love you that is what the spirit wants to do in our hearts with our heavenly father is this cry of abba father is one of intimacy and love and deep connection and so we ask the holy spirit whom the father loves to give luke 11 gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit because I want to know the depth and riches and height and breadth and length of your love for me and Jesus Christ. And the Father always gives the Spirit because he is generous. He's holding nothing back from you. He wants to give you his son. He gives you his spirit. So there's no doubt in your mind that you are right now a beloved child of God, fully forgiven, welcomed into the family, and carried by the Father in an intimate embrace of grace. This is the generous heart of our Father. And this is why this is good news. Because in Mark 14, 36, Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's just a short time, he's going to be crucified on a Roman killing tree. And in his time of need and desperation, he cries out, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And so in Jesus' time of need, his constant cry was, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. It was his access code to the intimate presence of his Father. And so in our time of need, well, this, is, this is crazy, right? Is, is the son shares the spirit with us so that we can have the same access code to the same father that Jesus has. That's amazing. When I was in uh, Phoenix growing up as a kid, my dad uh, is a doctor, was a doctor. And at my dad's office, patients would have to sign in at the receptionist near the front door. And then they'd have to wait a long time before uh, they could go and see him. They had to fill out paperwork, and it would oftentimes take a very long time. And then the only way to see my dad is someone would have to come for you. Maybe it was a nurse or an assistant working at his office. And she would uh, come uh, to the door, open the door for you, and then lead them through the winding halls back to where my dad was working. And so finally, you got to have access to my dad, and you you can consult him with your medical problems. Now, this process was long, unless you were his son. And if you were his son with the access code, not to the front door, but to the back door, which I had. Now, do you know what the difference to that made? People knew my dad as Dr. Urich, it would have to go through a long process of waiting, and these people would then take them back, etc. But since he was my father and I had the access code, I could go see my dad whenever I wanted. I could go to his office, I could sit in his chair, I could go spend time with him, hang out with him, whatever. Why? Because I was the child with the access code. I think there's something even deeper that's happening here. The Spirit is giving us this Abba, Father cry. And it's this. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is crying, Abba, Father. But then he would go to a cross. And do you know what he cries out? and his hour of greatest need. He does not say, Abba, Father, which you would think he would. What does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, what's happening on the cross is something so beyond us, yet something so wonderful. And it is that God is forsaking his own son so that you and I could be welcomed as his sons. Jesus cries out in loneliness, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? So that you, in the times of your infliction and suffering, and let's be honest there are people here today who are deep in the pit of suffering. And the gift to you is this intimate cry given to you through your Father that in your time of grace, distress, God is not a distant deity forsaking you, but actually He is a present Father. You say, my my Abba, my Father, please help me. Come, I'm desperate for you. Will you please show up in the midst of this? I need you, Abba. And that is what Jesus is offering to us by the Holy Spirit, is the very same access code. And it's purchased and given to us through the work of Jesus on the cross. And so therefore, to pray is not just some spiritual discipline you somehow happen to add on to your spiritual life to make you a better person. Prayer is the oxygen you breathe as a Christian. How do you survive a life filled with suffering and sin and darkness? which so many of our lives are filled with, without this cry of Abba, Father. And it's as if God wants to know you in the midst of your pain. He says, I love you, and I'm here for you. Any child can attest in the midst of their need that their father comes to them. They cry out in the middle of the night, Dad, Dad. And Dad comes running because the father knows the voice of the child when it cries, Abba, Father. So here's our conclusion, friends. Our God is generous. He has rescued you from slavery to sin and condemnation under the law. And he has saved you from the exhausting uh, self-salvation projects that we give ourselves to, to somehow feel better about ourselves and make ourselves right with God through our own obedience or whatever it is. And not only that, friends, but he has overwhelmingly provided everything we need and then some. He has given us in his generosity his son to redeem us from the curse of the law so that we could be adopted as his beloved children. And he has given us the spirit of his son so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, and have the very same access that Jesus does. And so here's where we end We have welcomed a new member to this congregation from China. The Kramers, Beth and Todd, went to China to adopt their dear son, Luke. And uh, during this week, Todd and I were talking, and one of the things I loved about what Todd said was this. Uh, Wade, uh, he used his language of just as much. Luke is just as much a Kramer as all the other precious children. Luke is loved just as much as the rest of the children in that family. And so it is with us. Our father does not play favorites, he does not love Jesus more than you. You might say that sounds heretical, it's actually biblical. John 17, Jesus is praying to his father, and this is what he says Father, I pray that I and them and you and me, that we may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me. Get this, please, get this. And that you've loved them even as you loved me. I just read you the Bible. God loves you and thinks about you, and treats you as beloved, and as beautiful, and as welcomed, and as embraced, and as honored, and as cherished, and as loved as his son, Jesus Christ. This is the message of adoption. This is our generous God, In this This God of great, abundant, lavish love is the God we cry to whom we say, Abba, Father. Let's pray. Father, this is the message of Christianity, the great message of Christmas. This is what we're celebrating, our generous God. Not only sending your Son, but sending your Spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Lord, we behold right now the great love with which you've loved us in your beloved Son Jesus. This is way bigger than our imaginations, and so we need the help of your Holy Spirit as we sing and worship in response to you. We love you. Let me pray. Amen.